podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. And boom, the boys are back. Made it back from Oklahoma. Made it back from Norman. Survived some projectiles. Survived uh, some disorient or some drunk and disorderly uh, Oklahoma fans. But I survived, and what a game that was. Uh. I mean, it, it, it's it's right up there. I, I I think it is maybe a top five K State game I've gone to live. There's just something about winning a game on the road, silencing eighty four thousand people. It is just second to none. I am so happy I went. So full disclosure, have not been able to rewatch the game. Lots of driving. Today, and then uh, I was in the corner. I was in uh, their northeast corner. So I, I probably missed some of the, you know, finer details of the game. I would say if you want a full-on X's and O's type breakdown of the game, always check out the Aggieville Alley Cats they are always going to be taking care of you when it comes to that type of stuff. Kind of similar to last week. Again, total polar opposites. (laughs) Polar opposite from last week. This is going to be much more emotion for it. This is going to be much more, uh, you know, kind of big picture. Just a a lot of uh, happy ramblings. Happy, pumped up thoughts. Uh, and, and I will go through offense, defense. Kind of, I'll, I'll try to do stuff by position group based on what I could see from uh, my section right there in the northeast corner. Luckily uh, for the Texas Tech game, I'll be in the east side club, so I'll have a nice view of what's going on there. We will. I will uh, get back to kind of the more typical uh, review next week. Uh, but but folks. It is good times. Good times are here. And it's funny. It's it's just super funny how college football goes sometimes. And honestly, outside of a undefeated season, I wouldn't have it any other way. But before I continue talking about that game, I'm cracking open a townie American wheat from Manhattan Brewing Company. It is the tailgate beer of 2022. You've heard me dub it that a couple times. I've been trying to tell folks to go into Manhattan Brewing Company and say, hey, for next year, figure out the tailgate 12-pack where you can get Townie with the Kolsch with the 785 all together in one 12-pack, but we'll worry about that next year. Because when I want something to sit back relax, watch a little football, I'm reaching for the townie wheat every single time. It's crisp, it's delicious, it's refreshing. So if you want this elite beer, the next time you're in Manhattan, go to Manhattan Brewing Company, get a couple pints, and then get some four packs to go. With the 11 a.m. game versus Texas Tech, after hopefully we see a K-State win, head down to the tap room, Drink a couple beers, take a couple home to go. That is what you need to do. Absolutely love this beer. Love Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, let's get into it because, I mean, my goodness, my goodness, what a game. So, I, and and here's the thing, as the week went on, I got more and more confident because I just thought that this team 
would respond for as bad as everything was versus Tulane. And that was a very bad game. We got on here for the preview show and we got on here in the live show and said, nothing about that Tulane game ultimately changes what the ultimate goal was for this season. The team, uh, they were saying it in their press availability. They were talking about it uh, whenever uh, any of them were talking to the media the entire week. It's 0-0. Conference play is starting. Everything is still in front of us. So as as the week went on, I started getting more and more excited to head down to Oklahoma. And there was just something surrounding the city when when I arrived Saturday morning. I just, I don't know. I I, I just had a sneaky feeling. Now, anyone who follows me on Twitter also knows uh, I was spazzing out. I was bracing for heartbreak. Uh, But that's just how I deal with stressful situations (laughs) <laughs> watching sports, everyone knows. Um, and boy, I had fun in the stadium and on Twitter afterwards. But, oh man, it, it, it's just something that you can't describe the feeling. And, and, and the most perfect part about this is is that very likely is our final trip to Norman, Oklahoma. Over the last 30 years, K-State is 6-5. and five. In Norman, in the last four games, K State is three and four, or th- th- three wins out of the last four. We have become this true pain in the side of the Oklahoma Sooners, and man, it feels good to do that once again. Also, again, it, it's it's the yin and yang of last week to this week. We talked about it last week, and. It's fair to point out the contrast. Last week we had to point out that since Chris Kleiman took over, K-State has lost three games at home as a 14-point favorite. Completely fine. He also now has three top 10 wins. He now has two top 10 wins on the road in his first four seasons. Bill Snyder in his entire career only had two road top 10 wins. Now, it's not to take away anything from last week. It was disappointing. We can't be doing that. But I'll tell you this. I'm sure as hell happy that something Chris Kleiman has brought along with himself to K-State is the ability to win these sorts of games. Taking out in what they they call the cathedral of college football. They take themselves super seriously at Oklahoma. To go in there, 84,000. And I mean, again, yes, they made it tight. They even tied the game. But to really run that game from start to finish, that says so much about the coaching staff, about the leaders on this team, and the players who went out there to send a message. There's no reason why K-State fans can't walk into every game rest of the season with swagger saying, yeah, we can win this game. Why the hell not? There's no reason why this team can't be walking into every game with a ton of swagger. And we saw it. We saw it the entire game. They're not scared of anybody. And that is so fun to see. When this team has it rolling, when they have that swagger, when they have that confidence, oh my goodness. There isn't a more fun team in college football to watch. Now, if we get to the offensive side of the ball, that's where we all had the strife. That's where we all were frustrated. And I'm and I'm not going to try to act like, oh, I told you so. Oh, I knew the offense was going to turn, all this type of stuff. Because I didn't know. And I was frustrated. And I was saying, hey, look where we are with Colin Klein, and this was my worry after the bowl game. I said all of that. 
I was critical of Adrian Martinez, yes. But something I did say in those Q&A shows is, no, we're not going to move away from Adrian Martinez. And he is still the best quarterback on this team. And we know the type of potential he has. And he straight up showed it and balled out. This guy who's getting, you know, small sample Heisman nods on different podcasts. He's getting helmet stickers on ESPN college football final. All these accolades. Because he had the best game of his career. He had one of the best games we've seen from a K-State quarterback in a very long time. He showed basically the plus side of what we thought Adrian Martinez could be. And he did all of it without turning the ball over. We all talked about how, oh, you know, he he, he might try to ball out, but, he, but it might also lead to some turnovers. He didn't. He said, fuck it, let's ball. He said, fuck it, let's ride. He didn't turn the ball over. He just made plays. This guy on 21 rushing attempts, 148 yards, including the 55-yard run that basically iced the game. We ended up p- punching it in, uh, and, and we all know they they uh, get get a touchdown when we're in prevent. We have to recover an onside kick, yada, yada, yada. I mean, he gets us to 41 points. That's a number Oklahoma almost never, and it's been a long time since they've given up 41 points at home. 148 yards rushing. Four touchdowns. 234 yards passing in one tutty. He was out there, just out there making plays. He stopped worrying about, oh, just don't lose the game. He said, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win the game. Because here's the thing. There were some good play calls. There were some situational play calls. I definitely think situational play calling improved. But the biggest plays of the game were not, oh, this great crafted play call. Some of the best plays of the game was Adrian just ad-libbing out there. Just out there playing football. You know, it was a drop back pass on third and 16, third and 17. And he's just like, nah, going through the progression, nothing there, nothing there. Oh, I'm going to take this 55 yards. Some of his best passing plays, he was just keeping the play alive, pointing to his receivers. Hey, you go here, you go there. Staying alive, staying behind the line of scrimmage, and boom, throw, big play. And again, I was critical of Adrian Martinez too. This is not a me sitting here saying, oh, I told you so, or anything like that. Because I was critical of him too. But there were a lot of people who went beyond critical. And fans are going to do what fans do. But just put yourself in the shoes that he had to be in. Ever Basically from the moment that Tulane game ended until things kicked off versus Oklahoma. Put yourself in his shoes. And he battled through all of that and had an insane game. You see the Nebraska people on Twitter saying, oh, here comes the Adrian Martinez collapse. Oh, here's fourth quarter, Adrian Martinez, all that shit. No, fuck that. Adrian Martinez balled out from beginning to end. Beginning to end. And here's the thing. If he plays like that for rest of the Big 12 season, there's no reason why he won't be the first team all Big 12 quarterback. Because if he plays like that, there is not a better quarterback in the conference. If he is just going out there, making plays, keeping plays alive, scrambling, running scramble drill, making big plays in the passing game, and then when he's being asked to go through a progression, find the pass, bullet it in there, there legitimately is not a better quarterback in the conference if he can play like that. Now, the knock on him at Nebraska was consistency. We've already seen it, you know, from the Tulane game to the Oklahoma game. We've seen how big of a difference it is. 
But we'll worry about that when we start talking about the Texas Tech game. But I, I, I'm going to ask the Boneheads. I want the Boneheads to let me know. what What's the last time a K-State quarterback balled out like that? Now, Skylar Thompson, he had some great games versus Oklahoma. Had a great game versus Oklahoma State. You know, it's definitely one of those. Right there. I mean, th- those are some great games. But that was the most a K-State quarterback has ran for since Alex Delton did. I think, I think versus... Texas, a Texas Tech team. Maybe it was that KU game. I'm not sure. But what we saw from Adrian Martinez Saturday night was special. Now, moving to the running backs, this is the most wild thing again. Deuce Vaughn, 115 yards, long of 22. And you're watching that game thinking, man, what's Deuce Vaughn been doing? Oh, just over 100 yards again. Making safeties look like absolute fools. And what we saw from Adrian Martinez is only going to open up things for Deuce Vaughn in the rushing attack moving forward. Now that schools, now that Big 12 schools have been put on notice, that if you don't have a linebacker or safety kind of spying Adrian Martinez... If a play breaks down, he's just going to take off and he's going to pick up 50 yards. Why does this matter when it comes to Deuce Vaughn? Well, first off, now Adrian is going to get far more attention when they're running these read options. And now in the passing game, you're not going to be able to dedicate a safety and a linebacker or two linebackers to shadow Deuce Vaughn. Because now if you do that, You're risking Adrian taking it to the house. Tucking it and taking it all the way. So now schools and now teams that we play are going to have to pick their poison. They're going to have to say, okay, who are we going to sit here and say we can't let them beat us? Because now we saw Adrian can do that. But but, but I want to talk about Deuce a little bit more. Because this guy is so gritty. This guy is pounding into the offensive line. He is doing whatever it takes. Because not every not every play is great. Not every play is great. But this guy who is taking hits from guys double his size. He just pops up and gets back going. And if he can ever, and whenever he gets that second level, he's making a big play. I was so pleased to see the work Deuce Vaughn put in. And I do want to give DJ Giddens a little bit of love. He got a big 12-yard run when we needed him to. Again, he played some snaps. He only got two touches. That's fine. But he's shown that he is more than serviceable whenever we need him to. And when he has to come in to give Deuce Vaughn a breather, it's not like, oh, an automatic pass. Deuce also had 13 yards receiving. So the running backs gave us the type of performance that we wanted to see. And again, you you guys might think, oh, you know, he's just running his mouth. I legitimately think because of the type of game Adrian Martinez had, running the ball specifically, I think that is going to set up Deuce Vaughn to get back to having like maybe a 100-yard receiving game next week versus Texas Tech. (laughs) Which is going to give Texas Tech fans some real PTSD. (laughs) But I think next week could be a real special week for Deuce Vaughn. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Because, and it really was... Uh, you know, Philip Brooks and Malik Knowles. I mean, Cade Warner, actually, I mean, looking at the stat line, Philip Brooks, seven catches for 56 yards. Malik Knowles, four for 52 and a touchdown. Cade Warner, three for 26. RJ Garcia, one for seven. Spread out. And, and the, the leading receiver, Ben Sennett, we'll talk about him here in a bit. But I was pleased with the wide receivers. Now, Cade Warner had a couple drops where it's like, oh man, 
They weren't gimmies, but you'd like to think he's going to pull down one out of those two. But it's all right. He made some plays. Phillip Brooks had a couple drops. You know, it's all right. But they made the plays they were asked to do. Now, some of the bigger ones for Brooks, for Knowles, for Warner were more kind of improv, more kind of like, okay, directing traffic by Adrian Martinez and then getting that throw down there. And I think that is where this skill set for these guys can be effective. Now, I love the quick little screen game that we had going with Phillip Brooks. I love that little slant pattern that resulted in the touchdown for Malik Knowles. I think we got a lot of what we need to be successful from the wide receivers in this game. Now, would I like it if Malik Knowles decided to go sicko mode and become you know, uh, reincarnation of Tyler Lockett or even Isaiah Zuber or even Tremaine Thompson. Yeah, I would. But we don't need him to do that to achieve what we want to achieve. What we saw on Saturday is exactly what we need from the wide receivers. And again, I actually would like to see a little bit more, uh, more snaps, more targets for RJ Garcia, but That might be a topic for another podcast. But we got exactly what we needed. Now let's talk about tight ends and fullbacks. And really, again, because of where I was, I can't sit here and tell you whether Sammy Wheeler had a good game blocking or even if Ben Sennett had a good game blocking. But what I can tell you is Ben Sennett in the passing game was exactly what the coaches have continued to try to tell us he is capable of doing. You know, he's catching these seam routes, and then once he catches it, he's going to drag the Sooners along with him for an extra 5-10 yards. I was going wild when I'd see Senate make those catches and then just keep dragging them on, and I would just be hooting and hollering, and I loved to see that. That performance is exactly why the coaches hyped him up. And and again, I probably have a little bit of egg on my face because I didn't think he was capable of that. I thought it was purely coach speak. I I thought that they were trying to hype up a young man who was a hard worker. And last year when he wasn't asked to be split out playing wide receiver, really focusing on being a fullback and H-back, he was blocking fine. But we saw it, especially in that two-lane game, He struggled big time in his blocking. And up until yesterday, we really didn't see him as a true weapon in the passing game. But lo and behold, Adrian Martinez decided to gun it in there, and he pulled it in, and then he even picked up more yards. And again, I I, I go back to that Tulane game, and I go back to the South Dakota game, and even the Missouri game to an extent. And I know everyone continue to say, oh, Adrian wasn't throwing it to receivers who were open, all this type of stuff. I, I'm i not I, – I, I can't say whether that's true or not, but I did see multiple times where Ben Sennett was running a seam route out of the slot or even out wide, kind of bending towards the middle of the field. And there was a window to get it in there, but Adrian didn't choose to take it. Now, we heard – Coach Kleiman, we heard Coach Klein say, hey, we told him we had to sit down with him. We told him, hey, you have to let it rip. You have to let it go. You have to go out there and play football. That's what he did. Because he made near-perfect throws to Ben Sennett. Because, again, it's not like he was running wide open with no one within 20 yards chasing him. No. There was usually a guy right there on his back hip. Adrian Martinez made a good play. Ben Sennett pulled it in. And then he dragged them along for another 5 to 10 extra yards. And if we can see that sort of consistency throughout the rest of the year, again, we are putting stuff out there and basically doing a proof of concept that now our future opponents have to be looking at and saying, well, shit. How are we going to protect against Ben Sennett getting 40 yards, 20 yards after the catch, dragging people along after getting hit in the seam. 
while also having to mirror for Adrian Martinez because he can take off and run at 55 yards. And again, what I think we're going to see next week, the old, you know, vintage Deuce Vaughn, dump it down to him. He makes one guy miss, and then all of a sudden that's a 30-yard passing play. If you have all three of those things, which we now have, we have we have tape. We we know Deuce is capable of doing that. We now know what Adrian's capable of doing with his feet. We now know what Ben Sennett's capable of doing in the passing game. Nobody's going to be able to stop all three of those, and they definitely are not going to make it so all those guys can have multiple people watching them. We're in a situation where in the middle of the field during the passing game. It is going to be a lot of one-on-one battles. And we've seen Adrian run past them. We've seen Deuce snatch ankles. Absolutely snatching ankles. Now we've seen Ben Sennett drag someone 10 yards. For the future of the K-State offense, which again, I, I really enjoyed what we saw from the wide receivers. We know what Deuce Vaughn can be. But for the future, for this season, for the remaining... What, we got eight games left? We're 33% of the way done with the regular season? We got eight games left. For the next eight games, I think Ben Sennett being a legitimate threat in the middle of the field is going to maybe do even more for this offense than any other individual skill player. Because it's just going to open it up for everyone else. I don't know if we'll see another game where Ben Sennett has this sort of statistical performance. But because of that, it is going to open up the middle of the field. I just can't say enough good things about Ben Sennett's game on Saturday. Now let's get to the offensive line. Again, I, I think from my point of view in the stands, I I couldn't I, I, I'm not going to be able to tell you much about the offensive line. But some generalities, again, while there were some running plays where we were in situations where we were maybe kind of getting hit right at the line of scrimmage or a yard or two beyond the line of scrimmage, they only had four tackles for losses. They did register four QB hurries, but they only had four tackles for losses. No, it's wild. I'm I'm looking at ours. We only had three. <laughs> so this was not a game that was really being played deep in, in inside anyone's, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. It, it, it was at the line of scrimmage and then forward on both sides. But you have to give credit to the offensive line when it comes to that because they gave Adrian a bunch of time, which led to some of those you know, schoolyard football plays where he's just pointing, directing traffic. It's what led to that big run. Cooper Beebe had an absolute massive block that helped give him that extra split second to kind of get his eyes downfield and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to take this 55 yards. And they were also opening up those holes on those third and shorts, when you're in the goal line situation, to get in there, get touchdowns when we needed it. So again, I'm going to try to watch the game later in the week and hopefully have a little bit more intelligent things to say about the offensive line play. But they got the job done, only giving up four tackles for a loss. We averaged 5.6 yards a carry. No sacks. I think I think that is a job well done by the offensive line. And they did all that having to do some rotations. Cooper BB cramped up again. I think there are a couple other times where guys got banged up that they had to do some substitutions. I think that was a redemption type game for the offensive line after what we saw versus Tulane. And again, that's versus one of the top half of the Big 12 defensive linemen. There will be games this season where the offensive line will truly be able to eat. And we might see some just massive, massive 
gaping holes for guys to run through. But it, it, it had to be job well done. Another job well done when you go back to the struggles we saw versus Tulane. 8 of 17 on third down. Just under 50%. Maybe you like that to be a little bit higher. But just under 50% and 2 for 2 on fourth down. We saw some quarterbacks. I, I mean, hell, we saw a quarterback sneak on like third and two. <laughs> that made me scratch my head, but hey, is what it is. You love seeing that eight of 17 and two for two on fourth down. I loved seeing how Chris Kleiman on two different occasions, again, it didn't call for it nearly as often, but he wasn't shy to go back and go for it on fourth down. Defense, on the other hand, they did their part on the big money downs as well. Four of 13. Four of 13 for Oklahoma on third down and one of two on fourth down. They did their job as well. They did their job as well. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Again, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Townie Wheat. I tell you what, when I got back to my hotel... After that game, I wish that I had an entire four-pack of Townie Wheat to crush when I got back. Now, on defense, I, I think it really does come back to that term that none of us like. But I think it works best for a game like this. And It, it was they bent but don't break. Now, they gave up some big plays, some of them resulting in their scores. Giving up 34 points, which is... A vast difference from what we've been giving up so far this season. But when you get to a situation late in the game where it's, okay, force them to take time. Just try to make them punt. They did their job. Now, we didn't see a lot of tackles for loss. We only had one sack. We only had three tackles for a loss. We didn't force a turnover. So everything that we had become accustomed to, we didn't see. Now, I I think for the betterment of the season moving forward, I want to get back to that. I want to get back to causing havoc. I want to get back to sacks. I want to get back to tackles for loss. But showing that, hey, in a game like this, with how quick they're getting the ball out of their quarterback's hands, with as dynamic of a set of running backs that they have, skill position players that they have, I mean, sometimes you do just kind of have to be like, all right, we're able to score tonight. Let's try to hold them to three. Let's try to get them in a third or fourth and long situation and just make a play, keep them short, get the ball back. So being able to see them have that sort of performance was also great. And again, they started off the game insanely well. To be able to set up the offense to get up 14-0, I mean, that was awesome. That was awesome. And again, they never let them take the lead. I mean, that's both offense and defense. But they made they made the stops when they needed to. They got the big fourth down stop when they needed to. They got the third down stops when they needed to. Again, it's not going to do much for our stats, for our but still, best in the Big 12 when you look at all the advanced analytics. But, but you can't, I mean, I, I guess you can, but I'm not going to be someone who gets super pissed off in a win like that. Again, 34 points more than I would have liked. But hey, it is what it is. I will say this. Where we really need to watch ourselves is at the linebacker position when it comes to the passing game. Uh, there were a couple times where they really kind of exposed the lack of experience and the lack of probably comfortable comfortability. It's not a great word. Um, at linebacker, uh, they had that big play for a running back wheel. 
There was a couple other times. They ran a pick play perfectly, which kind of caught our linebackers flat-footed. Uh, they got the penalty thrown, got picked up. It was the right call. Uh, but I, I'd like to see the linebackers get a little bit more comfortable defending the pass. And again, with Daniel Green being the only guy who has a ton of game experience, it, it's going to come. It's going to come. Secondary made some big plays, uh, but you know they also gave up some big plays. But that's to be expected. They didn't show up when it mattered, and they had the swagger. The thumbs down celebration was back. They were flying around. They were hitting guys. And here's another thing. If, if if we don't want to be just sunshine, there were a handful of times where they really did have the Oklahoma offense player dead to rights, but bad tackling allowed them to pick up five, 10, sometimes 15 yards. You clean that type of stuff up, you clean up, you know, the tackling a little bit. All of a sudden, that goes from a game where we give up 34 to probably a game where we're only giving up 20. And they'll get there. I understand the evolution of football. The evolution of football is, hey, we don't practice tackling hardly at all. We're about a third of the way through the season. I'm going to work under the assumption tackling is going to get better as we move on. One of the defensive players I want to give a shout out to, I thought Eli Huggins played great. I thought you saw, I don't think, you saw him take up double teams almost every single play. I think Eli Huggins is definitely going to be in the conversation for being an all Big 12 type of guy. I was super happy to see the performance that he had. Now you had Kobe Savage leading the team with 11 tackles. Julius Brintz, nine tackles. He had a tackle, half tackle for loss and a pass breakup. Austin Moore at linebacker, nine tackles. He, Him and Jalen Pickle, big pick. Both got half a sack. Felix Anudike Uzama, he had a half tackle for loss. He had a pass deflection. Uso, how about Uso? Again, it was on that final drive where we were just trying to force them to use as much time as uh, as we could before we had to recover the onside kick. Uso batting down two balls. Again, he, he needs to probably work on conditioning a little bit. He probably needs to work on his understanding of the offense a little bit, but or of the defense a little bit, but I think Uso is going to be a player. Sincere Mason, VJ Payne both get on, got in on some tackles. Echo Boydo made a couple plays, but he he did he did uh, you know get mossed once. He came back. He again. I think both boundary corners played good games. Both gave up some plays as well. I will say Oklahoma did a good job getting some of their big time playmakers matched up with our safeties, working that play fake, keeping eyes in the background, and getting deep. There was a couple that they missed on, and then they connected on a couple as well. But we we know that that is one of the side effects of how aggressive this defense plays. So again, I'm not going to worry too much about it because I think Oklahoma's offense is probably going to be the number one or number two offense when it's all said and done in the Big 12. And again, situations dictate the terms i think if things were different i think you're holding them under 30 points i think the 27 is fair but 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 i'm overall pleased and and i'm pleased with joe klanderman in his aggressive style I, i i've been very pleased with him all season I'm looking forward to seeing what they can dial up versus Texas Tech. Texas Tech now has a lot of swagger, and we'll talk more about this midweek. But they're really feeling themselves. So Saturday is not going to be a gimme by any means. But Saturday, I mean, after that Oklahoma game, after this past Saturday, this next Saturday can't come soon enough. 
cannot come soon enough. Let's talk a little bit about special teams before we give away some game balls. We're going to start with Chris Tennant. I thought that he punted great. Had a long of 54, averaging 48 yards a punt. Had two inside the 20. Had one touchback, which almost was an just very close to being just one of the best punts ever. Checked up. We just couldn't quite down it inside the one. But I thought Chris Tennant punted very well. And you know what? Maybe his best contribution was going after the refs for all the stupid fucking light show bullshit while we're trying to start the game back up. He was pissed coming out of their stupid third quarter light show, just going off on the ref because the media timeout had ended and the the thing was still going on. So I, I thought that he had a good game punting. Now, he did have one kickoff out of bounds. That's not ideal, but he did punt well. Malik Knowles had a 58-yard kickoff return, and it came at such a crucial point in the game. You start off with a 14-0 lead and then in the first quarter, and then two minutes into the second quarter, it's already disappeared. They've already tied it back. So what does Malik do- Knowles do? He, he he almost took it to the crib. He almost took it to the crib. Had a big 58-yard kickoff return. Sets up the offense to score and get some of that momentum back. So shout out to Malik Knowles for that. But now let's talk about the kid, Chris Tennant. Now, I, I want to give a shout out to my guy, Michael, up in Iowa, holding it down Iowa. He pointed out that even K-State's best kicker of all time, Martin Gramatica, had quite a few accuracy issues. I think missing six or seven field goals his freshman and sophomore year and four extra points. So again, Chris Tennant's still a young guy. And then in a super stressful game, Super stressful. Again, when it's all said and done, you only win this thing by seven. He kicks two field goals. Perfect five of five from extra point. And again, all of those were in high stress situations. And the kid did exactly what we've been asking him to. Hitting all your extra points and hitting all the field goals you should. So I want to give a shout out to Chris Tennant because he deserves it. Again, I I, I was I, I was very harsh on him, very harsh on him for some of the missed kicks early in the season. I guess it's still relatively early, thirty three percent of the way through the season, but he came up big in a game that we needed him. Now let's give away some game balls. All right, so the first one, very easy. The Bonehead's giving it to Adrian Martinez. Again, the guy balled out. We already talked through the stat line, but again, he had one of the all-time great games in the modern era of K-State football as a quarterback. He now gets to go along the names of guys who have a top 10 win at K-State. You know, there's not many. I I, I mean, it's Skylar Thompson. Because I think he has, I think he has like three of them. Josh Freeman has one on the road. You know, I Colin Klein. I don't know if Colin Klein has one on the road or not. I don't know what OU was ranked back in 2012. But regardless, he gets to go alongside those names. He gets to go alongside some of these prolific rushing games. Four touchdowns in one game, obvious pick for the game ball. Adrian Martinez truly said, fuck it, let's ball. The other bonehead uh, game ball is going to 
Kobe Savage. We had quite a few boneheads giving a shout-out to Kobe Savage for the defensive game ball again. Led the team in tackles, had a pass breakup, I believe, as well. Great game for Kobe Savage. And then the bonehead pick for the swagger sticker was going to Julius Brents. He was flexing on dudes. He was giving the thumbs down celebration. So I think that is a much deserved, a big time deserved award for the swagger sticker going to Julius Brents. So the bonehead awards went to Adrian Martinez, went to Kobe Savage, and went to Julius Brents. My first game ball is going to go to Ben Sennett, led the team in receptions, in yards, 80 yards, Big-time performance from him, really showing uh, us and, and me, who, who who was a doubter. I'm not afraid to say I was a doubter, showing what he is capable of and showing uh, what the coaches have all been saying he's capable of. So Ben Sennett's getting the first one. Second one, and again, I kind of teased it, it's going to Tennant. It's going to the sophomore kicker, Chris Tennant. Again, going 2 of 2 for field goals, 5 of 5 from extra points, going perfect. Every single one of them was high-stress situations based on the brevity and the importance of this game. So he's definitely getting it. And then my swagger sticker is going to – I'm going to Platner, the the uh, long snapper. And the reason why I'm going to do that is this picture went viral – <laughs> After the game, I think he stole one of the Oklahoma tuba players' tubas. He was posing on the field after the game with a tuba. So I, I love seeing that. I, I, I like a little bit of petty theft. Uh, honorable mention for Swagger Sticker going to the op- entire offensive line for the shirtless picks on the field after the game. Uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn rocking the Felix DK Uzama jersey during press availability. All great honorable mentions. But my awards are going to Ben Sennett, Chris Tennant, and Platner, the greatest long snapper in all of college football. One final award, and that is Chauncey's award. Chauncey Bosco's, he's got that dog in him award because Chauncey felt left out. He wanted to give an award. And that's going, he told me this one goes to Malik Knowles with the receiving touchdown. And then when momentum was starting to get away, that big kickoff return setting up K-State with a short field. So Chauncey Bosco's, he's got that dog in him award of the week is going to Malik Knowles. So again, I, I apologize for back-to-back weeks where it is just rambling. It is just me emotions. Granted, totally different emotions. Uh, but I'm going to leave with this. With as shitty as the, the Tulane game was, that's how great the Oklahoma game was. We are now 1-0, tied for first in the Big 12, when the goal with the entire operation, Operation Get to Arlington, so once you get to Arlington, anything can happen. And we control our destiny, and we've already knocked off the toughest game on the schedule. It is time for K-State fans. We all kind of laid low this past week. It is time to get back out there, puff out our chests, get ready for this Texas Tech game on Saturday. Get another sellout. You know, unlike you know what happens with our friends in Lawrence, we're not strangers to sellouts. We have three of them already. So if you're on the fence about attending the Tulane game, or the, the Texas Tech game, I wish we could go back and redo the Tulane game. But if you're on the fence about the Texas Tech game, don't. Buy some tickets. Get up there. Get a little breakfast at 11 a, or before the 11 a.m. game. Come in. Cheer. Spend some time in Manhattan. Watch a couple of the games. And enjoy yourself because it's a massive game. Beating Oklahoma on the road, winning your toughest Big 12 game, now makes it that every single game from here on out, a win gets you closer to Arlington. Every game from here on out is giving you a tiebreaker with someone in the conference to get back to AT&T Stadium. It's all right there for the taking, my friends. This team is good enough. This team is what we thought they were. 
This team is exactly who we thought they were before the season started. It's exactly the type of team we thought we had when we were thumping our chests after we took care of a very solid South Dakota squad, where we just beat the shit out of a Missouri team that, again, <laughs> should have won on the road versus Auburn. But, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to be crying for them. But, again, it's a capable team. It's time to get the swagger back. It's time to get that vibrato back. It is time to go back out, make sure you're wearing your purple, making sure everyone hears you, and have a little bit of fun. Because that's what college football is all about. It's not about your school going off, getting the biggest payday possible, All these Oklahoma fans who were trying to chant SEC while I was making fun of them as they couldn't hit me with water bottles, horrible aim, pointing at the scoreboard and they tried to say SEC, they're not getting a dividend check from Oklahoma Athletics. They're not getting money back from the university or the athletic department just because they're going to be making money. College football is about walking around with your school colors on, having fun, going to games, doing a little trash talk, having a little swagger, walking with that pep in your step. So after a win like that, pimp it out for all it is worth, boneheads. Because K-State football is exactly who we thought they were, and that's a contender for the Big 12 title. Don't let anyone tell you differently. And guess what? We're ranked Number 25 in the AP poll. So in all four of Chris Kleiman's seasons at K-State, he's been ranked at least one week. Again, people can say whatever they want about Chris Kleiman. I think he's a pretty darn good coach. I think this is a damn good team. So I apologize for, again, back-to-back weeks where the Monday show is just emotion, unorganized. I'm going to get back to being a little bit more organized next week, I promise. But damn, it was a fun one. And damn, it feels good for that probably last final trip to Norman, Oklahoma to get another dub. So for Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, for all K-State fans, all Big 12 fans, for everyone who hates the Oklahoma Sooners, we love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel the excitement, you can feel it coming on, for Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong, you can join in the action. This is where you wanna be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Podcast Network.